Well, welcome everybody. Good morning. Glad you're here. If you go ahead and find your seat. And welcome everybody in your living rooms at home. Hope this is working out okay for you this morning. If for some reason something goes crazy while you're watching online or you want to see this again, we're actually also, we're continuing to record the services. So there'll, there'll be a recording of the service posted not too long after this one. I think this is the one we're recording and then posting online. So yeah, if something goes crazy at home, your dog starts throwing up in the living room or something like that, you, you can still see the recording. Um, this morning is going to be fun, um, yeah, for a couple reasons. But one is, you know, basically we're continuing and going to continue this Sunday and next Sunday, maybe more, with this question that we asked for the year 2021, what is it that I want? We've talked about many times, what you actually want, you do at some level get, right? Or at least you work hard to do it. it what we want drives us, our desires drive us. And so, so last week, we, we made the argument, this was actually, we started a series on this a year ago before the COVID thing started, of asking what it is we want. And the, the thing we're saying is, actually, if you go deep, deep down to what's driving you and ask the hard questions about what you want, what you actually want is God and his kingdom, God and the, the world as he orders it. And so last week we, we looked at a parable, uh, Matthew 13, 44 through 46, of, of basically two different things. There's a, there's a guy that wanted to find a hidden treasure, and to get that hidden treasure, he sold everything. And then there's a guy who's a merchant who finds the greatest pearl he's ever seen, and to get that, he sells everything he has to have it. And Jesus says that's what God and his kingdom are. That, that to have them, to have the deepest desire requires that you sell everything. The first question is, why did the guy do it? The first is, because he wanted to, because it was the most joyful thing he could imagine. The thing he'd finally wanted and brought him light to his eyes. As Brooke was saying today, life. We say Jesus is the life. It's the living awake and alive. And the other reason, he, want, he wanted to, but the other reason is because he had to. In other words, he could only have the treasure after he bought the field. The treasure's in the field, so he couldn't get it unless, unless he let everything else go. And so when we talk about our desires, that this is what we came to, is that I have to relinquish every other desire beside God and his kingdom for any of them to be fulfilled. So it's intense, deep, heart-level stuff. And so we ended last week asking the question again, what do I want? Is it God and his kingdom that I want? And if we've got to be super, super, super gritty, honest about this. Otherwise, this is just, it's just a religious exercise. For me, my answer to that is most of the time. I'd say I'm a 70-30 at this point, you know, and in and out, maybe back to 60-40. But I, I've been tasting Jesus enough that I'm, I'm wanting God and his kingdom, I recognize that's what I really want. If you're not there, it's completely okay. That's exactly where God wants to meet you right now. Say, I'm not convinced of it. Awesome, there's your conversation. Don't move on past that. Okay, just stay there and say, just, Jesus, I've been kind of a little disappointed with you. Oh, he went, that's, now we're talking. But then the next question was, if, if what I want is God and his kingdom, am I willing to relinquish every desire for it? This is not a one-time thing, guys. This is a thing that, it's like an onion, that we get to continue to let things get peeled back and recognize, oh man, there are competing and disordered desires inside of me that God wants to order. They're not necessarily bad desires even. But God wants to order with him at the center. Otherwise, they just turn sour and rancid. So today, what I want to do is have a little testimony from Tim Hart about this question of what do I want. Here's what's interesting, is about a year ago, <laughs> longer than a year ago, I would say a year and a half ago, I, Tim shared a testimony of his journey of desire with Jesus. And so I would say somewhere, was it around January of 2020 or something like that? I don't remember, I said, hey Tim, we're doing this series on desire, would you give a testimony? He said yes. And then what happened after that? 
No. We met the Is it on? Ah, we met the Thursday before the first Sunday that was canceled from COVID. Yeah. Mapped out what we're going to talk about, and then poof. Yeah. It was gone. <laughs> so, so, so we're just a year behind on Tim's <laughs> testimony is all. So <laughs> you, you might notice this. If you send me an email, it may take a while to get a response, but I'll eventually get there. So it may, may be a year, um, it, but you'll get a response. So Tim, um, but it's been fascinating to me that it took a year because some stuff has happened even since then to kind of mature that experience. And so Tim is one of my favorite guys. Um, because he just lives all out there. You, you, you don't have anything you're wondering about. Does Tim really care about this? Um, you're going to know. And so we're going to just talk through Tim's story and then get back to the question we've been asking. So we kind of have three parts. It start, starts, you, you, you said you kind of are in this phase where you're like, I already have what I want. Tell me about that. Yeah. So I grew up just like probably most of you. A good Christian home, read my Bible every day, read it through in the year multiple times, uh, listened to worship, daily devotional, discipleship, fellowship groups, accountability, memorized the word, went on multiple mission trips, uh, married the love of my life. And you know how people get up and say, oh, I told myself I wasn't going to cry. <laughs> There's none of that. I'm going to cry. So just we'll just get that all, got it out of the way. Um, I love my kids, um, involved with the kids ministry, did I think maybe 10 years of VBS and loved it. Honestly, some of my best memories of, in this building at all. Um, and one of the leaders of the men's ministry and just doing all the right things. Most of you, I think we're, we're doing the right things, but I was miserable, miserable inside. My thought language inside um, was not good. Been married uh, 21 years, coming up this year. Um, or 22 this year, sorry, 21 last year. Endorphins. Um, and you know how you pick up little petty grievances and stuff. And my, my thought language was doing the dishes, I'd just be just grinding about, oh, I'm so mad about this or that, or somebody at work, or just, oh, angry about this or that, kids, somebody here, just constantly just angry and, and messed up, and there's no peace, no joy, no nothing, and I just wanted just to be left alone. My, my days, um, up until about three or four years ago when God really started messing with me, um, maybe a typical kind of off-kilter day. Um, I'd wake up, check my video game, see if anybody had attacked me during the night, this little evil kingdom-building game. Um, check the news. Some of you have that game. I hear the chuckles. Uh, check they're, the, they're checking it right now. Now you said right that is like, wait a second. <laughs> um, get to work. Be completely distracted. Try to do, I teach it to you. Be completely distracted, wondering about this or that. Um, would try to focus, and I'd, be, I'd check my game, or I'd check the news again. I'd do some work, get distracted. Uh, maybe check an adult website. Have horrible guilt about that. Kind of throw me off the rails, and just took a while to get back on track. Do some more work, check my game. It was just frantic. It was like a little squirrel just running around in a, a glass box looking for nuts. I was like, there's nothing here. It's driving me crazy. It's absolutely driving me crazy. And in this time, I think there were two fundamental questions that I was not taking to the Lord. And they were, who am I? And what am I supposed to be doing? I'm 46 now. I was maybe 40 three or something, when this really just came to a head. It's like, who am I? I had spent, I'd had a few different careers, and to wind up in this one, I went to um, grad school, got a, a PhD, and from day one of a PhD program, you're indoctrinated that if you don't publish at these high enough level journals and you don't have good teaching, you're worthless. You are worthless. And day after day after day after day, they were selling it 
I was picking it up. If you don't do this, you're worthless. If I don't do this, I'm worthless. If you don't do this, you're worthless. If I don't do this, I'm worthless. And that's not healthy. <laughs> if you have those conversations in your mind, stop them. <laughs> Bring them to Jesus. That was a, a huge a huge challenge for me is understanding who I am in Christ. Even doing ministry stuff here, like, oh, I'm supposed to be this men's ministry person or this guy that likes helping kids or whatever. And I'm like, oh, is that who I am? And if I, <laughs> if I, if I don't do that right, am I worthless again? That's a hard place to be in a church. If you can't perform churchy stuff, you're worthless. Oh, that sucks. That's not, that's not reality, but those were the lies I was believing. And because I didn't know who I was, I had these other, I desired that. I desired to have my identity. Um, the, the question, what am I supposed to be doing, didn't stand a chance. <laughs> it came out in these, um, the, the addictions I already referenced with um, adult websites and video games were my, my huge one, really. Um, Worshipping my sports teams, streaming videos, drinking some, not, not excessively, but just enough to kind of numb the pain. <laughs> There's a, a line that a lot, oftentimes we're more busy than bad. And I definitely had some bad. I mean, adult websites and drinking to excess, or those are, we, know we know those are bad. But playing video games, following a sports team, fantasy sports, keeping up with friends on Facebook, keeping up with the news. Those aren't bad, right? We tell ourselves that all the time. We tell ourselves all the time, they're not bad, they're just neutral. Well, I was filling myself full of neutral stuff. There was no room for the mercy of Christ. I was so full of sawdust, <laughs> just burping neutral. It was awful. In, in pre-service prayer, Tim, um, what, what's Cameron, thank you. My brain's not working right. He, he said a quote by John Maxwell, we can never underestimate the unimportance of practically everything. When I was playing that video game, when I was managing my kingdom, when I'm cheering on my favorite sports team, when I'm looking ahead to the draft coming up, when I'm uh, looking, following the, the news feeds when I'm doing whatever, keep watching the next show, it feels important in the moment, doesn't it? It feels important. Hey, there's some really smart people on the other side actively working to make it feel that way, and they're really good at what they do. But when we compare those things to Jesus, these things are not important. So you kind of you kind of hit a wall here, right? Where, yeah. where you had, you know, like you had to ask yourself, what, wait, what do I really want? What's happening? Yeah, um, it was pretty bad. I, it's a dramatic pause. I'm told it's good for public speaking. Got two chuckles. This is good. I'm not a funny guy, so thank you. This is helpful. Um, so. C.S. Lewis said, what does not satisfy when we find it was not the thing we were desiring. Read what, that again. What does not satisfy when we find it was not the thing we were desiring. I was finding success at work despite my freneticism. I was finding public accolades. I was finding growth in my kingdom. I was finding success in my sports teams on and on, none of it's satisfied. There's an actual term for when you watch several Netflix shows and, you, and you're done like, ugh. You just have that empty feeling like, is that it? I remember, it feels like some of the, there were pinnacle moments when my, when my favorite sports teams won championships. It was just euphoric, just jumping in. I'm a pretty passionate, excited fellow. I can yell pretty loud. But there was an emptiness behind it. I was like, oh, is that all? Was that it? It's, oh, it stunk. So anyway, I was just gorging on the sawdust. And I remember, uh, 
sitting at the edge of our bed, just, just miserable. And I, I couldn't, uh, I couldn't think of a sing, uh, I couldn't think of a, of anything that made me want to keep living. And I want to pause right now. If, if you're watching this, and you feel that way, there is hope. And his name is Jesus. And you're not alone. He's with you. He loves you. I, I, I love hiking and climbing mountains and doing fun stuff and active things. And I would call those things to mind. It's like, oh, that would be fun. He just wasn't doing it. <laughs> I don't know if I was technically suicidal, but I didn't, I didn't see any point to keep living. I'm going to tell you, that's the best that this world has. That is the best that this world has. So I, I had to get, like, well, I didn't have a choice, but I, I was at that point where it was kind of the Fisher cut bait, I suppose. And you actually texted me. Said, hey, thinking about you. Want to get together for lunch? So we did, and um, I was even more of a mess at that way more of a mess. I was, yeah, yeah. I was more of a mess. I was telling him I just, I was just a mess. Um, and a very practical thing. He didn't, he didn't, nor did God. And I was still doing all the Devo stuff, still doing all the Christian-y things, and was in that place. And that's miserable. God, he didn't say, um, let me make sure I'm not skipping ahead. Yeah, he didn't say, um, you should be reading the Bible more, bro. You should be praying more. You need to fast. Through a, a series of, of steps, God, God revealed to me, you need to go work out. You need to go work out. He put his Holy Spirit, the, the omnipotent God lives in this, our bodies that are benefited by sleep and healthy eating and exercise and are very adversely affected by drinking too much, not getting enough sleep, eating junk food, sitting around on our butts, my butt at least, uh, playing games, watching sports, binging, constantly being distracted. These were very, very, very unhealthy habits. So we started working out, um, and it helped tremendously just to think clearly. I was like, what am I doing? What is going on? Why, why am I spending all my time doing this? And it, it gave me just a fresh, fresh of breath air, <laughs> a breath of fresh air, Say, okay, God, I need help. I cannot, I cannot keep doing this. I cannot keep going down this, this path. I can't keep digging down in this pit looking for you. You're not, well, he is in the pit with us, but it was a mess. Um, so the exercise, exercise helped, but, and then it gave me the courage to recognize that these things, things I was involved in and and spending so much time and energy and money, they weren't the answers. I remember a, a song, it was January 19th of, January 20th of 19, when we sang that you have no rival, you have no equal song. And I was standing over here and I just stopped. I was like, wait. I had been wrestling for a few months with, with that game on my phone. I was like, why do I? Why does this thing feel so important? It's not actually important. Nobody's eternal future depends upon the outcomes of my kingdom strength and might and how many gems I have. And it just twisted. It's like, oh, Jesus, <laughs> you have no rival. You are more important than this game. And he gave me the grace to, to delete that phone. But it happened over months and months and a couple years of recognizing it's just ones and zeros. <laughs> it's bits. It's like worshiping the phone 
or the, the mic microphone instead of talking to the guy that made it. We're worshiping the clay pot. We know that analogy instead of the one who made the clay pot. That was, it, was, it was silly. So it, that, it, that helped tremendously in, with um, understanding who I am. You, you've, if you've been a part of this body for a while, we've talked so much about who we are in Christ and meditating on those passages and going back and, and to them again and listening to just 30 minutes on a Sunday, no matter how good it is, is not enough throughout the week. So found some good um, podcasts to listen to and encouraged me to, to press in, all while still engaging in all these different addictions, but it, it, it gave me fuel, gave me a hunger to, to push on, to break through this stuff. Um, and I, I, somewhere in there, I came across the, the verse, why spend money on what is not bread? Why labor on that which not, is not satisfying? Why? Why are we doing this? Spending hard-earned money and energy and, and time on things that are not satisfying at all. Through um, the, the, the challenge and addiction to adult websites, I, I've been in a discipleship group for 11 or 12 years now with four guys. And we get together. It's been hard during this season, but most used to be weekly. Um, and I had a chance to confess so many times, man, I messed up again messed up again, and every time they weren't like, you know, throw down the napkin, storm out, like, oh, you suck, we're done with you. Like, oh, Tim, you're our brother. In the name of Jesus, you are forgiven. <laughs> it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. You are forgiven, Tim. And to have these guys in my life that know me so well, they know everything I've ever done. <laughs> everything. Stuff I'm not going to tell you. But to, but to say, okay. It's been so beautiful. I just, if I could, just to, just to say thank you to, to you and Roger and the staff here for making that space open for us to, to, to encourage us to foster relationships where we can be open with each other remember Paul Burnett shared his testimony at a men's retreat years ago and shared some hard things. And it was just beautiful. We didn't think any less of him thought way more of him <laughs> to see what, what God has done and his, what did and his, and his family is continuing to do in his family because of that. But to have those friendships were, were so powerful. Um, and then just, just to recognize, so those things started breaking off and to realize, okay, I don't want these things. They're not going to help. They're never going to fix me. I, I was, in fact, powerless to overcome them. I knew they weren't the answer. So I, I, it turned my direction back to Jesus. Now, I, re I remember, so here's what's interesting. So you had this moment where you started to recognize, okay, here I know that Jesus is probably what I want, but I'm kind of... It's like e eating all the uh, food before you come to the dinner table. You've been snacking so much that when it comes to Jesus, you're so filled with other stuff that you're not even able to attend to that hunger. So you're starting out. There's a couple different things that are happening all at once. You've got something happens to you in a worship service where God speaks to you. You've got a group of guys you've been journeying with, and that addresses part of it. You realize your physical body needs attention, so you at least start taking care of a little bit. Now, I remember a moment at a men's retreat that I've, I've never been quite part of a prayer session like this. It was like a full on, Tim was like sweating profusely. I laid my hands on it. I was like, wow, my hand is wet. I've never seen this happen before. You remember that Logan? He was just like sweating constantly. What, what, did the, what was the Lord doing? Because that was just another kind of step in this journey. Thank you. Um, yeah, so I, I forgot that. I, you had that indoctrination of if you don't publish, you're worthless. If I don't publish, I'm worthless. And that was, that was hugely transformative to help, to give me the grace to address the questions of what am I supposed to be doing. I had to answer that first question, who am I? And um, it was just through nothing, anything, nothing like overly magical or no magic bullet there. Um, to break through identity, um, but a, a few things, a few practical things. There's a, if you Google, who am I in Christ? 
you'll find a list of 50, 70 Bible references. I would read through those over and over and over and over and over to try and fight against this false identity, just remind myself that I am seated with Christ in heavenly places. I'm a new creation. Just on and on. I'm blanking because I'm nervous. But in, in that moment at the men's retreat, it, it, it felt like something was coming out of me. That this false identity that I believed if I did not perform to expectations at work or, or church, that I was worthless. And it broke. It broke miraculously. Jesus broke that. And, and I realized that I am who he says I am. All, all those passages I can't think of them all right now. That's who I am. And my job is what I do. It happens to be how I am uniquely created to do that. And I do find a tremendous joy in being light and salt um, with, to my colleagues and my students. It, it is fun. It is fulfilling because that's what he's called me to do for right now. But I've gotten to the place, and have you ever felt that, those kinds of pressures I'm talking about? Or maybe or any other job, maybe you have your own business. You know, like, if this doesn't succeed, I'm a failure. That's a, that's a hard truth, and it's a, it's a, it's a lie. We, we do what we do right now because it's the best place for God to transform us into the image of Jesus Christ at this time in our lives. That's why we do what we do. That's why you have the job you have. That's why you have the profession you have, the hobbies you have, because God can use those to transform you into the image of Christ. And so I can honestly say, yeah, wow. Sorry, there was a kid over there talking. Um, I felt like that. I felt that, that free joy. Um, that if I, if I don't have this job at the end of the year, it's okay, because God has some other profession for him to provide and for him to continue transforming me to the image of Christ. I could not have said that a few years ago. I, I wanted to, maybe, or I wanted to want to, maybe. But that's, it's a miracle. It is a miracle to be able to say that, that it, it doesn't matter what I do, it matters who I am, and, and God directs me into what I'm going to do. So, I love this whole testimony because there's a lot of different factors at play, right? But what we see Tim doing is engaging the question, what do I want? And, and so you had a scripture passage that I'm going to put up on the screens there that you said this is what you really want to be able to say. Yeah. So last Sunday when we sat down, I was like, what do I want? It's like, I think there's a verse in the Bible about that. And Paul said this, that he, before verse 7, he talks about his testimony and all the good things he did. And he says, but all those things, these very credentials that people are waving around as something special, I'm tearing up and throwing up with the trash along with everything else I used to take credit for. And why? Because of Jesus. Yeah, all the things I once thought were so important, they're gone from my life. And I can, I can say that I, I, that game that drove me nuts, that literally, literally would wake me up at night, panic attack, thinking I had forgotten to shield my troops. That's, a, that's, that's hell. That is hell. It's horrible. It's gone. And all the other stuff I used to stuff myself with is gone. Compared to the high privilege of knowing Jesus as my master firsthand, Everything I once thought I had going for me is insignificant. It's dog dung. I've dumped it all in the trash so I could embrace Jesus and be embraced by him. I didn't want some petty inferior brand of righteousness that comes from keeping a list of rules when I could get the robust kind that comes from trusting Christ, God's righteousness. I gave up all that inferior stuff so I could know Christ personally. Experience his resurrection power, be a partner in his suffering, to go all the way with him to death itself. Is there, if there's any way I could get in on the resurrection of the dead, I wanted to do it, and I'll pause here. You have dreams. I have dreams. I want to do my job. I want to be really good at my job. I want to love my wife as Jesus did. 
I want to raise my kids in the way they should go so they won't depart from their way when they're, when, when they're older, they won't depart from it. But I can't do it. I can't do it. I had to die to my desire to do it in my own strength. Said so Jesus, I can't do this. <laughs> I died as though to those desires. Would you bring them to life? I know you put these desires in me, but I relinquish them back to you. Would you bring them up from the dead? Can I die with you in these areas so you can bring them up to be the more amazing than I could ever have thought or imagined? And I'm not saying that I have this all together. There's a temptation to think that people giving testimonies have arrived. No, absolutely not. But I am on my way. I'm reaching out for Jesus who has so wondrously reached out for me. Don't get me wrong, friends. By no means do I count myself an expert in all this. I've just started, honestly. But I've got my eye on the goal where God is beckoning us onward to Jesus. I'm off and running, and by his grace, I'm not turning back. Yeah, so a couple of thoughts that you gave me. One was, to kind of summarize this, with competing desires, we don't function right. In other words, you, you were doing Jesus-y things, right? But at the same time, you were giving place or primacy or just gorging on these competing desires, and you just weren't doing well. It was horrible. Okay. And so then the summary here is then that Jesus alone is the one worthy desire. Actually, go back one. Go back one? Sure, yeah. Okay. Yeah, when I, I was doing horrible. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I said that analogy. I was, I was digging a pit, and I felt like I had, I had dug a pit, filled it with venomous snakes, and was wondering why life was so horrible and painful. <laughs> it's like, well, you dug a pit and filled it with venomous snakes. I, I love the testimony Tim Lucas has shared many times, and he gives this phrase that... Um, there's a thought in this country, maybe around the world, that you have to lie in the bed that you made. When you made that bed, lie in it. <laughs> I'm so grateful we're in the upside-down kingdom. That's not Jesus' economy. He says, that's your bed. I'm going to lie in it and rescue you. I'm going to take your place. I love Psalm 18. Gee, and this is my paraphrase. The cords of death coiled around my soul. In my distress, I cried out to Jesus for help. He parted the heavens and came down. He came down to my pit with me. Out of the brightness of his presence, clouds advanced. The Lord thundered from heaven with great bolts of lightning. He routed all my addictions. He reached down from on high and took hold of me. He drew me out of this pit I'd found myself in. He rescued me from my powerful enemies who were too strong for me. I had mentally assented to the idea that Jesus was my shepherd, but I was being led around by the world. It, my practical reality was that the world was my shepherd. And I tell you, the world is a bad shepherd. I was constantly in need it led me beside cesspools and lava pits for its own pleasure. The world, the principalities and rulers of this world are laughing at us whenever we trade our birthright for their poop. They're laughing at us. We sang today that Jesus humiliated those things on the cross. This, the, the boast of sin and death are, are silenced. I was, I was led to faith in Jesus when I was five. He saved me from hell when I was five. He saved me from the world when I was 44. And there is a big difference. We can go to heaven and have, and have experienced pure misery here on earth. That's not Jesus' plan. That's not Jesus' plan at all. You know, we're, we're encouraged to work out our faith with fear and trembling, to run the race as though we're in a, like an Olympic competition, to be sober and vigilant, 
to daily pick up our cross and follow Jesus. Why? Why? Why do you do it? I was doing it because I felt like I was supposed to. Because I should. But I found in this season, these past three or four years probably, we do these things because he is worthy. He alone is worthy. He's the only one who is worthy. He's the only one who is worthy. When I, when I needed, when I desired, freedom from depression, I found that Jesus gave me grace. When I needed to know who I was, I found my identity in him. When I wanted to be part of something epic, and I think that's why I, for sure, many of us, we, we gravitate towards cheering for teams or a, a party or a person. We want to be part of something that's meaningful. I tell you that Jesus, he, he is meaningful. <laughs> he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. When I needed freedom from adult websites, I found mercy and, Christ, mercy and grace extended to me through friends in whom the spirit of the living God was present. I could see the mercy in Jesus' eyes that I'll see one day in person, extending mercy and grace to me. When I desired endorphins and what am I supposed to do, I found that being led by the spirit is quite the adventure. <laughs> you never know what you're gonna say to, to somebody. I had a very uh, impromptu conversation with a, a powerful person in my world. I was like, Lord, I don't know if I want to have this conversation with this person. But it was God. I was like, oh, talk about a rush, doing something actually, that actually matters, that's going to survive the fire when all of our works are, are tested by the fire. That's going to be there, and none of this other junk is. When I wanted a cause to devote, my, to devote my entire life to, all my energy, all my time, all my thought, all my passion, Jesus is the only one that's big enough to handle me. Jesus is the only one big enough to handle all your desires. There's nothing else can. Nothing else can. He is, he's the only way, the only truth, the, other, the only life. And I want to live a life worthy of him because he's worthy. I was thinking yesterday, the, the song Little Drummer Boy came to mind. Um, just the one little chorus part. I played my drum for him. I played my best for him. He's the king. He's the king. I want to give him my best. And none of this other stuff, it doesn't, it doesn't count. He, he is worthy. He is faithful and kind and compassionate. He is the light that drives out darkness. He's the peace that drives out anxiety. He's the hope that drives out despair. He's the love that drives out fear. He is holy. The lamb who was slain. I want to follow him. I want, I want to follow him. All my desires to be in him. He's the only one that can satisfy. So, 
I want to come back to the question, questions we asked last week. What I love about Tim's story, there's, there's not any one silver bullet, right? That if you just do this thing, you're going to feel better. The, the one thing we see on here is Jesus and desire. Here's what I love. Do you know that Jesus is sneaking up on each of us in all these different ways, conspiring to win our hearts? But one of the ways he does it is he lets us experience the logical end of our desires. So sometimes God's work doesn't feel very pleasant because it's just what we choose. You know, if you eat sawdust, it's going to taste like sawdust, you know, and you'll burp sawdust, as you said. question I want us to continue to wrestle with that I am wrestling it with is God and his kingdom what I want do I actually believe that and, and if, if I don't why don't I and can you wrestle with God in that space wrestle with him it's so fascinating to me that Jacob who wrestled with this angel that turned out to be the angel of the Lord God said I love that guy He's Israel, and all of his kids are going to be my people. He likes the wrestle. Oh, it would be so, so sad if all of us, just like Tim said, we'd be doing the Jesus-y stuff because we know it's the right thing to do, but only because we have to because we're afraid of hell. Save from hell at four, five. Save from the world at 44. What does it mean? The world. The world is a shepherd. The world is the source of satisfying our desire. There's something about relinquishing all this. Going to what feels painful. Okay, Jesus, you're it. That anything that really tasted like him, he does resurrect in his time and his way. So we're going to finish right now. I'm going to ask... I felt like, Lord Jesus, what are you saying? And just make the invitation. Do you, does anybody want to follow Tim? <laughs> Do you? <laughs> well, please don't follow me. <laughs> no, here's what I mean. <laughs> Paul said it this way: "Follow me as I follow Christ." Does anybody want to imitate this moment that says, "Yeah, I don't know if I like all that he said about his story, but I can taste some of it in my own." And maybe for you, it's just the dissatisfaction. I have it all the time. Usually when I start to get really, really grumpy and everyone else has a problem at my house. <laughs> anybody have those moments? You know? I, I realize I haven't been engaging with Jesus. I have to sit down and go, I'm mad. Why am I mad? I woke up this morning afraid. I just felt really scared about some stuff. And I said, Jesus... I'm afraid and I don't know why. Here's what happened. Some stuff came to my mind. And the joyful part was it's because I was trusting in things other than him. I hope everyone thinks I'm awesome today because then I'll be significant. Jesus, I'm sorry. I don't trust your love for me. Will you forgive me? Forgive you, son. Trust me. So let's stand together. Before you do. Can, Before we jump do, in, yeah. yes. I realize, I'm, I'm nervous. I shared a lot of kind of, it just sounds kind of sad, right? All this stuff. I want to tell you, it has been worth it. This is a big thing. Getting rid of the junk in my life has been transformative. Transformative. The, 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 the lepers in the Bible story, they went away running and skipping in, in joy. Their life was transformed. I apologize, almost, this almost ended without sharing this. Like, I think, back me up, I think our marriage is better than it ever has been. Yeah? And, and maybe she's done some things to change. I don't know, but I know I sure have. Instead of, when I'm washing the dishes, having those just negative conversations and judgments playing over and over and over and over, I, I read a, a thing in a book, Think about those things that, that drive you crazy about your spouse. Because there's something, there's something on the other side that you love. 
My wife is unbelievably creative and smart and gifted. She sees possibilities everywhere. A blank piece of paper to her is a beautiful new artwork just waiting to happen. That takes time. I see a blank piece of paper. Let's recycle that, right? <laughs> time is a fluid concept in her mind. It's, it's a number that's gonna, it's a performance metric in mine. So we're, we don't always get places on time. Just one example. But when doing the dishes and this is, if this isn't God, I don't know what is. November 9th, our dishwasher broke. It was fixed January 5th. And we stayed married. <laughs> but the conversations in my mind when I do dishes and laundry are, thank you, Jesus, for my wife. Thank you for the, thank you for the possibilities that she sees. Thank you for... Thank you that she, saw, she shops for Christmas presents in March. She's always thinking about me. I don't do that until December 20-ish. <laughs> she, she's always looking ahead, preparing something good for us. Very Jesus-y in that way. Always preparing something good. In the evenings, what I used to do is I'd eat dinner and do whatever I had to do then check out, go to the movie room, watch a recorded sports game or Netflix or something, maybe have a couple of beers, and check out. I didn't want anything to do with my family. Sorry. But now, in just a singular moment, now um, our daughter is upstairs. I, I, most nights I go up and check on her. I'm just, I'm, I'm more present. I'm not constantly checking to see if my kingdom has been destroyed or checking what the, what the scores are. <laughs> I'm attentive to my family. And my daughter um, shared with me that some time ago she was having a really hard day and she was sitting in her bed crying. She said, Daddy, Father, Jesus, I just need to know that you're real. I just need to know that you love me. I just need to know that I'm not alone. And she heard my footsteps coming up the stairs. And I came into her room and said, hey, Catherine. I reached down and gave her a hug. Kissed her on her forehead. And tears were streaming down her eyes. I thought, well, she's my daughter. <laughs> Tears. I don't know what's going on, but I love you. That's all. Have a good night. If I had been burping up sawdust, Jesus wouldn't have had a chance to show his love to a beautiful girl. There's real life happening all around us. There are people desperately, desperately need Jesus. They need what you have inside you. Let's stand now. Tim, will you pray for us? Yeah. Daddy, you are so good. In your wisdom, you knew that the only way this could work is if you could become one of us to experience what we're experiencing down here, to know the pain of life, the pain of a friend dying, the scorn of friends, the temptation to the world and all the systems and everything that it has to offer. Jesus, you humbled yourself. You left heaven to come to us. Jesus, would you show us in a new way today who we are 
who we are in you. That you hold all things together. That you're working all things for good in our lives. That we are hidden in you. And that first and foremost, what we're supposed to do is to seek you. To fall in love with you again. To let you tell us who we are. To get our instructions from you, not from the world. Not from social media or the news or any other human being, but from you, Jesus. To be filled with your love and bring it to a world that is dying, is desperately in need of you. So, Father, we surrender today all our desires. We surrender all of our wants, all of our hopes and dreams to you. Jesus, anything not of you, would you let it stay dead? Blow all the sawdust away, Jesus. Burn everything up that is not worthy of you. God, everything that is of you, raise it from the dead. Raise it a new life. May we walk in the, the light, carefree, unencumbered grace and mercy of a life led by the Spirit. Jesus, you, you are the way. You are the truth. You are the only life here on earth or in heaven. We love you. You are worthy. You are worthy. You are worthy. Amen. Amen. Tim, thanks for laying your heart out in front of us. And we appreciate it. You can say thanks to Tim for that. We'll continue to engage that question. What do you want? Jesus wants to talk to you about it. You guys have a great week. We love you.